Annie Dillard, who is uh, a wonderful American novelist and essayist, says in a, a nonfiction essay she wrote called Total Eclipse, she says that the mind is an incredible thing. The mind longs to be loved totally. The mind longs for someone to return its awareness. The mind longs for God. But the mind's sidekick, the body, will settle for two eggs over easy. <laughs> and that disposition can be somewhat like what our approach is to the impending feast of Christmas. Yes, we want this, Emmanuel, God with us, the fulfillment of all of our desires, but a new barbecue would be fine too. That would be just as good. And so I want to focus our attention today on somebody who lived with the contemplative attitude, with the awareness of our deepest desires that allowed him to receive this feast with joy. And that's St. Joseph. Two weeks ago, I spoke from the readings about the role of the Holy Spirit, particularly in Advent. Uh, and last week, I was down the road uh, and spoke about the role of Mary in the salvation story. But who's Joseph? Three things I want to highlight about Joseph. That he was a father, that he was obedient, and that he knew how to be silent. So Joseph was a father. He was really, he was a dad. He wasn't Jesus' biological father, but he was his adopted father with all the complexities that come with adoption. We say that he was a carpenter. That's a translation of the, a word in the New Testament. It says he was a tecton. Basically, Joseph was a guy who built stuff. And we can imagine him teaching Jesus how to do what he did. That's likely what Jesus did for the first 30 years of his life, was work in this workshop where Joseph had been. But Joseph was given to Jesus by God the Father, as Jesus' adopted human father, to be for Jesus, who was God, the first image of what God his Father was like. So that as Jesus grew up and began to understand his relationship with God the Father, and then later in his life, when he said things like, Father, forgive them, or Father, save me from this hour, what had taught him initially to pray that way was Joseph's care and attention for him. So Joseph was a dad. Joseph was also obedient. We hear in this gospel today, and it can be a little jarring, that when Joseph first finds out that Mary is pregnant, and he knows that this is not his child, can you imagine that? That Joseph decides to divorce her quietly. And it says that the, the gospel says that he does that because he's a just man. That doesn't seem like a just or a fair response. So a little context is helpful for that. Essentially, as a Jewish man in the first century, Joseph had two choices. 
he could divorce Mary quietly, let her go back to her family, hope that the man uh, who was the father would take responsibility for this child, or Joseph could sue her and take her to court. Now, I don't know if you've ever lived in a small town. <laughs> but if you were to live in a small town and take your fiancé to court because she was pregnant, people might talk about that. Just a chance. So what Joseph had decided to do was actually this very tender and gentle thing to care for Mary um, so that she could live in peace. But God had other plans, plans that were more merciful and more just than Joseph's plans. Because this child wasn't the son of a man. It was, in a way, altogether mysterious the son of Mary, and the son of God. And so Joseph's plans get interrupted just for the first time here when the angel tells him to take Mary into his home. But his plans will get interrupted again later after Jesus is born, and the angel appears to him again and says, don't go back to Nazareth. Take this child into Egypt for two years. And you can imagine, even Joseph, even a very virtuous person, would say, no, God, this is my family. I'm going to do what I want. But Joseph didn't do that. He had the humility to recognize that his plans were not automatically the best plans. And he had, despite being a firm and a virtuous and a strong man, the ability to say, okay, I'm going to do something else. And that ability to be obedient, I think, came from Joseph's ability to be silent. We have lines in the Gospels from so many different people, people who were never named, uh, dialogue with Mary, and an enormous number of words from Jesus. But in the Gospels, we have no words from St. Joseph, just his deeds. <coughs> And I imagine that he learned that more and more. The joke about St. Joseph is if you're living in a family where your son Jesus is perfect and your wife is perfect, that's hard because if anything goes wrong, it's always your fault. <laughs> so he probably knew how to just let go and not say anything <laughs> and make his mistake. But that's an attitude that we need, too, uh, especially leading up to this time of Christmas, because things can accelerate. Uh, people were saying there were a ton of people at 7.30 Mass this morning, because they all wanted to be at the mall by 9. <laughs> uh, but all of those festivities and those preparations, as fun as, as enjoyable as they are, they're not worth much if our hearts don't have the capacity to welcome the one for whom we long. If we're satisfied with the two eggs over easy, but don't recognize when God, the one we long for, the one who comes to comfort us in our loneliness or our isolation or our depression, whatever it is, 
who comes to live with us in our joy, too, <coughs> if we're not ready for him when he comes. We might, as I propose we do with the Holy Spirit and with Mary, just call on St. Joseph for an ability to be quiet, to be able to ask for help in recognizing God's plans, so that acknowledging God's fatherhood, ready to do his will, and silently open to him, we can welcome and carry Christ at Christmas with the same intensity and joy and wonder that Joseph did.